I'm Melissa Chapel. I'm Sophie Williams. Welcome to our podcast, Autism Biotistics. Autistics. So just to kind of start off with where we've been, because it's sort of been around a year since we've recorded and released episodes. Uh, basically, the time last year, I was still doing my degree, was still doing a PhD, and so just kind of studies went really busy, so we had to take a bit of a break. And then I think various illnesses over Christmas, I think like each week one of us was ill <laughs> like differently. Then I had exams. And then a pandemic. We got plague so and i think also we've had to kind of sit and reassess the format because obviously when we started this we wanted to give information from the autistic perspective that was like personal experience and research and keep that at the heart of what we do and we wanted to keep that flowing with just episodes rather than seasons but we've realized that that's not really possible and that doing it by season is better so we're going to try and be a bit more consistent. And um, so we've got an archive. Is it archived or archived? I never see things. Archived. Okay, right. So we've got an archived episode. Archived. You're looking at me so funny. Archived. Like my mum comes out with some <laughs> weird pronunciations of words, but that's a new one. Um, we've got an app archived and I'm going to go through and edit that the next couple of weeks and get that up. We weren't too sure because it's about holidays and travels, but... Felt like maybe it was a bit insensitive right now, but people still want it, so we're quite happy. Um, and then we've got a plan to do a final episode, which is going to be about our specific feelings around the pandemic. Um, but obviously that and then season two, they require time and editing, and we just wanted to get something out in the meantime. Um, because as Sophie said, like it's really hard to keep to the heart of why you wanted to do something. Um, as well as respecting your listeners and putting stuff out for them and this is something where we don't really have to edit anything um, we've sort of unco- unconsciously named it tea breaks like that just came up for us um, because I think like we just don't make much time to like properly catch up as well and just have a big chat about what we've been up to um, so like it will as you keep saying to me include autism just by the nature that we're autistic um because i was threatened a bit like what if people don't want to listen to our lives but yeah autism will come in as a lens for us to look at things through and we're just going to be chatting quite informally about thoughts and feelings we feel like it's mostly going to end up around media and hopefully um this will be of liking to listeners but if it's not we will still have the, inf- the sorry the formal season two um, which will be planned topics that we really want to address and this is just us having a chat having a catch up much like the mental health episode i think as i kind of was thinking earlier about this and it feels a bit like autistics in the wild like this is kind of be what are like weeks whatever are like and just how we kind of go about life and i think as well as you say, it's going to be a lot about media. It's kind of like, because that's all there really is to do. My brain. In our, bubble, in our bubbles of safety and high-risk people around <laughs> things. So. My brain just lit up when you said that, because I'm like, that is wonderful. Should we call it that? But, like, is that offensive? Are people going to think, like... <laughs> I mean, I'm not offended by, like, an autistic in the way. I mean, I'm in my nat... I mean, we're both recording this in what I think is our natural habitats. Like, Very my true. natural habitat is my attic bedroom. It is the pit tower that my mother has locked me in um she hasn't really but so like i've made tangled. so many 
I've made so many Rapunzel jokes <laughs> since I moved in here. And I, I do like my attic room. But as I say, it's my it's my natural habitat. I'm surrounded by my desk, which really needs tidying. And it's, you know, lack of light. So yeah, it's, it's very cave-like, the attic, <laughs> so... It is. It's a, it's a wild Sophie in her natural habitat. I think we've just accidentally found a name then. No longer have to keep calling them tea breaks, mm-hmm. which doesn't really surmise much. Well, you don't you don't have tea right I now, know. so it's already not a tea break. It's just it's it's just me and like the crumbs of the biscuits. I don't. It's know funny because it like in the office, I felt like that was always in reverse. I was always there, like stressed with a cup of tea, and you'd be like, "No, I'm chill. I don't need tea. I'm just gonna turn up with water." And now it's like complete reverse. <laughs> Yeah. It's also like I twisted my ankle um last week, so it's like the novelty of being able to carry a cup of tea upstairs again is really great. Yeah. Like I didn't have the ability for about four days, so it's like, yes, <laughs> I can have tea in bed again. Like everyone will keep saying to me, like, why are you downstairs? And it's like, because I can't carry anything upstairs. I have one of them. Because I have to go step by step. <laughs> one of them mornings where like I woke up and it was like, I need two cups of tea to be alive. So I'm like, I probably don't need a third right now. See, I like that you feel like freeze too much and I kind of like get to six cups of tea and think <laughs> I maybe need to stop. I'm like, like I'm just dehydrated because I always forget to drink water, whereas you are huge on water. I think that's the difference. I'm actually like, I'm just like, going to sit down. Consume. Well, I've, I've had to give up coffee. This is the thing, like... That, that's come after we like did our last recording. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, so I talked a bit about it on Twitter. I think I mentioned it on Twitter. I developed IBS at the start of the year. Um, as we see, like illnesses and delays, like even before the pandemic hit, I wasn't doing great. So it's like I've had to, tea's fine, but I've had to give up coffee, which is, it's hard. The six cups a day have been swapped with tea, it's fine. No caffeine withdrawal. <laughs> fine i can still have chocolate and whiskey and i am <laughs> you know the essential you have your life. vices it's fine i have my vices i'm gonna order on amazon you can get like like 18 cans of iron brew it's like my true powers <laughs> in times of crisis sophie orders iron brew in a mass and then my mum's like oh what's that iron brew and i'm like suppose i have to share it with you now that you've mentioned that like do you remember when i kept messaging you and i was like i keep ordering tea and i've now got a cupboard that is packed <laughs> full of this limited edition tea because i was so scared yes. i wasn't going to be able to get it anymore and now i've just got more tea than i can actually get through thankfully it's got a long date on it so i think it'll be okay yeah <laughs> it's the jelly I mean, and ice cream f- tea it's just amazing it, i mean it sounds amazing I laugh because when we moved in here, I said I wanted a shelf for tea. And when we got the kitchen redone, Mum was like, I'll get you um, a shelf for tea. And I've got a Cricut machine, which is a digital cutting machine, and I can cut vinyl. And we've been saving the jars of Grandma's coffee. And I'm going to put labels on them with the different types of tea. And then, you know, I could have like a neat, beautiful tea cupboard rather than the just boxes <laughs> and packets it is at the moment. But it's great, and it makes me happy that I have my tea cupboard. I have so much tea. My cupboard has pretty much like always been took over by tea and cups. Like, it's a problem. And then I've got like a little desk just full of cups. Like, I went through a phase where I was like really into novelty cups. 
especially if they were like special interest. It was just too much of a compulsion of like, I need to buy that cup. I've now got more than I can possibly use in a lifetime. So. Move my mic because it's just been a little. There's like a little squeak thing I get when my mug touches because I got like the phone bit on my mic. Oh, it's okay. Like, yeah. I've fine. just realised I bought a phone part for my mic and I left it in the office. And this has been like the worst part of the pandemic for me. It's like, oh, I have that thing that will enable my life. Wait, it's not in my it's room. In the is it? <laughs> it was. Obviously, we'll talk more like about in the pandemic. So, but it is—it's weird because like I've got like some stuff. It was mainly stuff that I did when I was doing like helping you. But it's kind of like just knowing that there's stuff there. I had that cupboard like full of books, and I just keep thinking like I went to I uni when I knew that the pandemic was a thing. Like, why did I not start bringing stuff home? Like, was I just in a state of denial? If they stay there, then nothing changes. Nothing goes wrong. <laughs> I think it's one of those things you just didn't think about. I mean, like, I definitely I did because it's me, and I was like, we're going to end yeah. up locked down and we're not going to go anywhere. But for some reason, I, I was just like, well, not like, taking anything home. Carrying them all home, it just kind of. I think as well because it was so bizarre. Like you didn't. There was no way to like plan for it. Like we're not like doomsday preppers. No, but I think in terms of, like, I was in on campus in the weeks where we knew it was going to be a lockdown and I like people kept saying to me it'll be over by Easter and I was thinking it won't be like yeah. worst case scenario brain is like no um and I was taking my backpack in so I'm like why didn't I just take a few things at a time home yeah. I think it was that thing of if I keep my office as it is then I don't have to accept change yeah <laughs> and now I'm like I hate past me past me was not prepared I I feel like I constantly hate past me mm-hmm. like I often hate just yesterday's me didn't do something that today me really doesn't want to do like a lot more than yesterday's me didn't want to do it. <laughs> and it's a bit like, you know, you know, past me, you could have just sucked it up, you could have just moved, like done the thing. Because today me really, really doesn't want to do it. And then tomorrow's me is probably gonna really, really, really not want to <laughs> do it. And it's just gonna become a cycle and then a week I'm just like, why? It is a nightmare. I'm currently in that like position right now where I've got stuff to do that's difficult to do and I just keep thinking like I think because like I was a little unwell last week and it wasn't serious but it was just mysterious like why was I ill and taking days off work is the worst because then getting back into the flow you think I'll get there tomorrow I'll mentally be there the day after and it just keeps going on until finally you find a way to like slip back into the flow of work. (laughs) It's weird for me because, like, the job I've managed to get, like, yeah, like, let's graduate into a time of no jobs. Um, and very little, and like, loads of people needing jobs because of unemployment. And I was lucky to pick up, like, some note taking support work, and it's been online and it's been great working from home. But it's like kind of semester ends now. And I've got like one more lecture to do, and it's like I've got this time. I've got like other work to do, but that's like not like a schedule thing. So it's a bit like the endless attempt to get a routine in the past few months is just. Yeah, I always think like student work, because obviously I'm still doing my PhD, and it's difficult because a few people have highlighted when you're a PhD student, you're neither a student or a staff member. You're like this horrible hybrid of both that suffers the worst of both of those things. So you don't get the big breaks that students get and you don't get the luxury of security that staff members get. You're just constantly like floundering and trying to keep up and feeling like a student. So it's difficult. And I think 
Like, again, I thought I was going to talk about this in the pandemic, but I think just because the conversation is flowing naturally, like, I'm happy to talk about it now because it's more, like, informal than the type of stuff we'll also, talk about. So much to include in the pandemic, like, stuff's got to come in somewhere else, too. Yeah, um, but I think, like, what I've noticed is that I think if you, like, if you would have pulled, like, past, like, last year me aside and said, right, in a year's time you're going to be super chill about your work you're going to be enjoying it you're going to be taking as long as you need to get it right and even though you know funding's ending you're just going to be focused on doing the work right I probably would have cried and be like that's not me I can't do that um but I think like the pandemic forced us into a position of it's got to change like even though I used to work from home sometimes this is now like living at work um and I think what I found is that science is not this rigid process people think it is it's very creative and because like when I used to study art um whenever a bad thing would happen it was impossible to pick up a pencil and start creating because your brain's not there and so I've had to create this like creative space for myself where I get in I spend time getting into the zone through reading through listening to music podcasts things like that just like spontaneous thought and then I deal with it as though I'm creating instead of writing up a really strictly scientific thing and I think my work has been massively better for it, it just takes a bit longer um, and so I'm really glad that that's happened it's just this thing of like academia needs to change with that and give like longer studentships and let people foster their actual creative skills because that's what makes better scientists I think is when we've got that freedom of thought it was, I used to listen to The Infinite Monkey Cage, which is Brian Cox and Robin something, Robin Ince, and, like, one of the things I remember Brian Cox saying was, like, the thing, the actual way to, like, get, like, more scientific discoveries is just to leave scientists to just mess about yep. with PowerPoint. Definitely. Just, like, just leave them to it and something will happen. And it's like, yeah, that's really, <laughs> you just leave us long enough to say, oh, well, this is a thing. Well, the thing that I keep, I think this is a dangerous moment right here because I'm about to bring up Long Pond Studios, which was Folklore by Taylor Swift, recorded live. Um, so this could suddenly spin off with us. But, um, you know, like, just the, the visual and the aesthetic of the place where they went to record, I felt quite upset in comparison to the offices that we get as academics because I thought if we had something so relaxing and tranquil like that, or even just a little space in an office the way they have in the google offices to just like chill and think yeah. i think that would make a huge difference to the quality of work to just like feel in that zone i i really prefer working from home in every way yeah um, i think obviously if it's slightly more ideal if you've got an office space but i am um, i think because it's like i did three years i did like once my education so i had to do a lot of study at home so it wasn't on like a full time table in like school time. Then I did three years of college and I did coursework subjects every year. Um I was trying to speak. But um it was like stuff that was a lot to remember. So I did coursework and then I've done three years of uni. And it's kinda like I sort of can really easily work at home because I sort of didn't not know. So like to be able to just like you say with like offices being comfortable, like home is so comfortable, like I have limited lighting, I can stim like freely and not worry about stuff, so it's like it's been so nice. I personally prefer the hybrid, which is more what I had before the pandemic where yeah, you I can think, choose whether yeah, you go nice to the space to have, or work from yeah. home. I think that's nice because obviously I think some days it's nice to like be there, I think that's 
but I think it also depends what you do. Also, just like one thing I really miss because like we done another analysis together, and it was great fun like listening to the same music and you just see on like poster notes cover my wall. Oh gosh, <laughs> it was so funny because it's like um obviously got the same like the webcam view has not changed for either of us. It's just like a is it a wardrobe door or something like I don't know like it's just cupboards, just cupboard doors. It's just cupboards. It's cupboard door. And she had like this mosaic of multicolor <laughs> post-it notes, and it was glorious. I'm happy for you to post the picture to Twitter. I'll send you it. <laughs> it yeah, was just like the technical wardrobe, oh not God, wardrobe. But it made comfortable. me so happy, and then I'd be like, "Mom, Melissa's got this amazing wall of post-it <laughs> notes." And then meanwhile, like, I was devastated to take it down. Like, I only took it down to do the analysis because, like, obviously they were actual codes that I wanted to like move about, and I'm like, I miss it. I really miss it. Oh. It's when you said one fell on your head during a meeting oh. and you sent me the message and I think I laughed between It's because it was like a serious interview and I had to blend it. I just had this post-it note like sliding down the back of my head and I'm nodding as though like nothing's happening. It's fine. I'm in control. That's <laughs> um. <laughs> brilliant. Like and it gets me now. Just like... <laughs> But like the, I think obviously there's like always mishaps working from home. Like I don't think it's just my... that. It's the fact that like as much as that was great, the one thing I really missed was being in the office with the first people we collaborated on and just like sitting and moving oh, things gosh. and chatting to each other as like each one of us is going. No, that doesn't go there. I'm going to pick it up and move it. Like it's really hard to collaborate as easily. I think. Yeah, I think for Qual especially, like it's it's great because like I did my analysis. And of course, at that point, I was at home, and I kind of were really lucky. Like, this is quite a big bungalow we've got, and how our living room's set up. There's like a walkway into the kitchen, but like, and so then we've got like fireplace and like TV and everything. Like the chairs sorted around that, but then there's this space at the back of the couch, and I just kind of had all my codes printed out on tiny bits of paper, and I was like, no one touched them. So for about five days, I was just there, like on the floor. Mom's like, you okay? And I'm like. No, I don't want to change everything again. But I got there. And I've still done much work on that paper to get it published. This is the thing, I think. Like you've you've got me on warrant and we will get you there. You don't need to panic. I think, it, this is the thing, I think I just need to like, just not be hard on myself because I've been, I'm not a tidy person. I've never been a tidy person. I think it's a blend of I don't. I find homes that are like super pristine and have no clutter. And They're like, not creative spaces. <laughs> I find them cold. Like if you like that, that's fine. But personally, I find them like completely just. Where's your personality? Like, where's the little trinket you picked up from places? Like, <laughs> and so like, and my mom's also like always been the same. Like a house is lived in, you know. But my room has gotten out of hand, and I have a lot of stuff. And the stuff that's not been sorted out since I've moved, so I've been, like, big project of organisation, and oh my god, it's hard. Because you're never relying on executive function. It's one of those things, like, this is another sort of pandemic-y discussion, but um, one thing I've noticed was, like, there's been stages of the pandemic, obviously, and I think the first stage was denial, and I don't want this to be a big thing, I want to hold on to what I had before, and pull that through, and just, like brush it off and then I think we all realised like that wasn't gonna help we weren't gonna grow and so then the next stage was like uncoiling 
like just letting ourselves fall apart and thinking about what matters um so like you know changing our image the way we think of ourselves the spaces we work in things like that just like really challenging why did we do things that way did it even work does this work better um and I think like we're now in a space where people are starting to think like what now what do we bring forward what do we change um yeah I think like one of the first things that just like became a non-priority was just organization (laughs) um I kept on top of like the organization that I needed to do like files and things but everything else it was just like this is not something that needs headspace right now in the context of the wider scheme of things yeah I think it was weird for me because like I had um the my research project to write up I had exams to prepare for I had because I got ill in January I had like resets that I knew I'd have in summer so it kind of nothing calmed down for me until August. August was my only calm month as well and then it picked straight back up. It's like you can't live. For me it was like decompress, like you finished your degree, like well done you did it in like the worst possible circumstances and then it's like okay, now I've got an adult because I feel like when you do your undergraduate degree especially, you're in this weird, hazy stage of it's like apprenticeship adult. Yeah, I've been I'm thinking not, about this a lot. I'm not quite an adult. And it's it's like now I'm in this position where I knew even before the pandemic I want to take a year out. I don't want to do my master's straight away. Um, and so it's like this year was like, my mum said to me, treat it as a gap year, but after your degree. And to be honest, it's been nicer doing it this way. Especially because I had the August exam, so I've been able to just like try and like write what do I need to sort out. And right now it's me, my room, and everything. And it's I mean it's up and down. I think I mean it's always up and down, but I think there's like it, everything feels more structured. I keep thinking about the phrase coming of age. So like when I think back to being like between the ages of like twenty one and twenty three, I can feel a difference, especially with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think, like, there's a moment where we just, like, go, right, I feel like I'm on top of adulthood now. And I don't think, I think, like, because my career's been building, (laughs) I'm not going to quite get there until, like, PhD's out of the way. And I I feel like I'm in a secure place that way, just because that was my own personal focus. But I think it's different for different people and we all get there at different ages. But the pandemic's, like, really hit fast forward on that for everybody. And it's just such a strange thing. See, it's weird because for me it feels like it's put so much on hold. Yeah. So it's like, I think certain things are on hold and certain things have like been like circumstances for you. And I think it's weird. I think like you say about like coming of age, like it's so weird to me the concept that we're classed as adults at 18. Like mm-hmm. I, I think there are some people who through circumstances have had to grow up quicker and hold more responsibility from a younger age for whatever reason. Um, but I certainly didn't feel like I'd reached anywhere near adulthood until I turned like twenty one. That to me felt like it was even at twenty one. I just felt like how how is this like adulthood in the sense of like compared to eighteen, definitely, but compared to like yeah. other adults. Oh, you're still no. not quite there. Um, I think I think like I'm it, starting to get close to it now, but still not quite. And that's like I think late twenties is where that will hit. Yeah, I had when I did health and social. I asked my teacher said to me people say like, "Oh, to be twenty one again." She said, "You don't want to be twenty one again." She's like, you, "You've not got stuff." She said, 27's the best age." Mm-hmm. She's like, 
got yourself a bit figured out, got yourself settled, sort of got your career, like, where you're going. And, like, my mum says that as well. Mum's, like, like sort of, like, late 20s is, like, the age where you've got, like, some stuff, I think, as well, like, because you've spent so much time in study. And it's this way that you say, like, student staff, like, it's a combination of career and study. Mm-hmm. You're kind of in that mindset for longer, and I think it's, like, obviously people reach different... I mean, you've got, like, the life milestones as well. Like, things are obviously, like, in lifey adulty milestones for you. Whereas I'm, like, in my bubble of... Yeah. Youth. Because, I mean, like, I'm, I'm 22 now, and it's it feels so young. I think as well, like, I, I don't know many mature PhD students to talk to them about this and the ones I do know we've just not had that conversation but I do wonder what the difference is like because for me who like I went straight from bachelor's to master's to PhD and there was like this horrible assumption not from my supervisors whatsoever they've been perfect I can't fault them whatsoever they will like have a life as well as your PhD but the general community can be quite toxic um I don't really know where the ideals come from in academia but there's this thing of like you're doing your PhD so you should do nothing else everything else should be postponed and I felt like I felt kind of guilty when I got engaged because I was like is that something people do during their PhD and I was like do you know what like life can't pause life can't just wait for that thing to happen before it carries on it just can't I think that's so toxic because like your engagement and it's like you know super exciting for you it's exciting for and like my family that have like adopted basically. <laughs> um, my mum does this with my friends, she just adopts them, it's great. Um, and everyone loves my mum, so it's like everyone's happy to be adopted yep. by her. And it's like, but you shouldn't feel guilty. And I think it's this thing of like, obviously, PhDs are hardcore, they're intense, but it's about always keeping you and just things like that. Like, I know I ask you, like, have you? Like, have you done any gaming this week? And you'll be like, <laughs> yeah, it's great <laughs> to like, have that. They're just that reminder. You're, of, like, you're gonna take else. an hour, gonna take two hours, gonna <laughs> load up your PlayStation. I'm gonna judge you that you're a console gamer, but you're gonna load up your PlayStation and you're gonna do some gaming. I'm the truly toxic person who's like got a game that I can leave running in the background of everything. So it's like I'd be working. That's helpful just, though for like, you. Like fishing on. It was so funny. I'm just there and like, what was hilarious doing note taking for different degrees at a different university? They got a 15 minute break. Oh wow. 15 minutes. And it was a full 15 minutes. And I'm like, we used to get, like, a lecture that would overrun, so it's like, oh, can you be back in five minutes? Meanwhile, the key for the ladies is, like, 20 minutes long, so you've just got, like, right, can I hold it? Probably not, don't me. And it was just, like, 15 minutes. Like, you can make a cup of tea. Go for a walk. Especially being at home, it's like, this is great. You can go over, tell my mum how it was going. Because I also tended to not know what subject the lecture was for some of them, and it was just like, oh, what have I got today? Um, but, yeah, it's wild, and it's just kind of, like, just... It's quite strange as a speaking as a lecturer, like thinking about breaks, like especially because I've been doing all my teaching online and I've done like pre-recorded stuff, which was really frightening. Just the fact that you're speaking to this audience that isn't there. Um, but then I've also done like the live stuff each week, and it's difficult because it's so much more informal where you've got people just like casually having a discussion. So whereas. Like, you were one of my students, you remember we had those, like, set discussion points and tasks, and those are yeah. gone now because people just, like, 
speak up when they want to speak up. It's much more of a chat. We've got a smaller class. Um, yeah, I think that's like uh, definitely women having a smaller class as well. I think that's. So I think. I don't like I'm happy always for people to go and take a break and always say that whenever they want. Like if there's a discussion going on they don't want to engage with, they want to go and get a cup of tea, that's fine. But setting a formal break, I always force myself to do it, but trying to filter in enough time can be really difficult when you've got a lot yeah. other stuff going on. Oh, it really is. But it's like it's just me sat there in shock and it's like a fifteen minute break and I'm like fifteen <laughs> fifteen precious minutes. I can't even remember my original point of this. I'm still like in shock. Fifteen. <laughs> but yeah like I always find like when we're talking about like the judgement aspect in academia it's never the people close to you like it's never been my supervisors my family nothing like that it's just always been people I barely know <laughs> like oh did you do it's... that why did you do that should you have done that it's like what <laughs> it's like this weird wider culture that like I'd say like the mass majority realise is unacceptable but it's so ingrained I feel like it's projection it's people who feel guilty for doing other stuff yeah maybe just like well I don't want you to do other stuff either (laughs) yeah and it's just like no just like let as long as people get their PhD done it's fine and I find myself like you've got to decompress Mm -hmm. I don't take weekends because for me it's easier to like if I'm having a day where I don't have a meeting and I just need that day off and it's like a Wednesday, I'd rather that was one of my two days to chill. But I would never yeah. like judge somebody else for not working over the weekend because yeah. like you're supposed to have time off and that's like the standard time off in society, so why not? Yeah, like you've got to you've got to work it around you and I find that um sometimes it is nice if you had like especially as well like Rent and burnout. I think it's better to have like two days off spaced out rather than at once. <laughs> um, because like my brother had like a shift work job as a call center, and he said he preferred having Wednesdays off and like one of the weekend days off because it was spaced out. Yeah, definitely. Um, because it was like quite stressful doing call like bank call center work. I think um, also like as we said about creative science. It needs to be that room of movement of like what day you're going to be peak and what day you're not going to be peak. Yeah. Rather than you're going to work these days regardless and lose maybe some of your best work. Yeah, I think as well, like being autistic and like executive function, like some days things don't work. <laughs> some days things don't happen the way they're supposed to happen or like something that should only take like literally two minutes would take two hours. And it's just like. So it's nice to be able to have like flexibility with what days are like. Yeah. Also, this is a day where things won't happen. So this is going to be a day off. <laughs> and then it's like, because that's what my mum said. Because there's been like so many things like this up to my room. And my mum's like, but you know, when you have a good day, you'll do like five hours and you'll do loads and you'll feel super proud. And she's just like, just today's a bad day. She's like, go kill or read a book, watch something. She's like, do you want to watch all of me? She's like, just do what you can do. And I think it's about sometimes reminding yourself of that. Like, I know when I was doing my degree, sometimes it was a day like, right, I've got, like, about five different things to get done. Bad executive functioning. And it's just kind of like, I try and start each task and whichever one kind of, like, went okay. That's what we went with. I was just about to add in, before you said that, about how, like, with academia, there's the nice thing of, like, if you know a certain task isn't going to gel well, there's so many other things. So, like, you message today, like, do you want a podcast? 
And I'm thinking like, oh, there's that thing I should work on right now, but I know that my brain's not there yet, so maybe if I take this time out and just do this other thing, then I'll get there eventually, whether it be in a couple of hours or tomorrow, whatever. It always gets there when it needs to get there, just it's about not pushing it too hard into a box where you're just not going to get anything done. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously like it's great if you've got flexibility, like I don't think you should ever confine yourself. It's like what works for you, and I think this is where like hopefully the work from home inside of like semi-flexible hours, like I've got a friend and he's working from home and um, his job's a bit more like managerial and laid back so he's sort of waiting for people to come with him with problems but like he picks the sun up and like there's no problem but like I think if he was in an office setting like he couldn't just go get his son, bring his son home, like set him up and then like he's back working. Yeah. And I think, like, I can see where that's been, like, nice. I think there's so many people who need the opportunity to work from home. Yeah. Like, I've been reading very slowly because I'm reading so many things at once. Um, Invisible Women, which is about, like, data bias and how if you leave out any minority group, you're not getting accurate policies, research and whatever else. Um, But I think, like, one thing people really forget is caregivers and the fact that they want to work they might be seeking a certain job that they can't go in and do those set hours but could definitely do from home and it's quite frustrating because like one of the limits with academia is um moving to certain locations for a job that could be perfect that you might not be able to move to that particular place so like London's out of bounds for me because asthma and my asthma always triggers when I visit London. Um, plus, it's not very autism-friendly as a city. Um, whereas during the pandemic, those sorts of jobs were popping up saying, like, you know, you can work from home and that's okay. We might ask you eventually to come down for a meeting, but that's it. And that's manageable. The problem is that since that first lockdown, it's gone backwards where people are like, well, no, you should move here if you want this job. And it's like, can we please move to a better system? Like, can we just adapt? I think as well, like, I've got a friend in the northeast, and I'm so happy for him, but it's, like, really sad. Like, they're basically just factory work, and they're cutting his tier of workers from 15 staff to three. Oh, my God. And the northeast is rough for work as it is. Right before Christmas. Luckily, he's kept his job, but it's still, like... Other people. Yeah, there's 12 of them that have gone, and that's, like, really horrible. Um, And, like, when I was up in Scotland in Inverness a couple of years back, like, we went on this little, like, kind of, like, minibus tour, and, like, she went through and told us, like, there was a big place that built ships, and it went, and, like, thousands of jobs. And it's just, like, there's so many rural communities that where people would like to live, but they just can't. Mm -hmm. It's just not the work. Like, I would give so much up to live in Inverness. Like, that place is beautiful and it's just oh it's lovely someone said that like she would be in Vanessa but there's just like my friends got like um family friends with them then there's just no work but I think having work from home basically means we can spread people out because people talk about overpopulation in cities and things I mean I read there was a report and um it was like people have moved out of cities during the pandemic um and they've moved slightly more rural, just slightly outskirts of cities, yeah. because they can do that. Um, they don't have to think as much about travelling in. Um, and I wonder, like, how long that lasted, because 
the fact that those jobs eventually said, like, no, you've got to be in the area generally somewhere, that's going to prevent things from moving forward again. And as you say, like, there's no reason why you can't live in that nice place and just travel up for meetings, like, every couple of months or whatever, if you're comfortable doing that. But if people aren't allowing that, then it's just not going to move forward. And then, of course, you've got the government who are thinking... Why don't we tax people for working from home because they're not going and spending money and it's just awful. Like, I think from a disability spam- standpoint, because I think I said to you, like, if I work from home, I know how much more coping I've had. <laughs> like, I'm not doing, like, a full day's work because, like, I can't truly assess, but, like, even with, like, when I know that I'm doing, like, eight hours of, like, stuff that's, like, tidying up chores, whatever... I know I've got a bit more coping, I feel a bit more relaxed, and if anything, I'd be more inclined to say, like, oh, I'll sign up to, like, a class, like, I'd love to do yeah. pottery one day. I'd be more inclined to, like, look for, like, an, like, a craft class, or, like, go out. And the money I'd save on transport, I'd be, like... I was about to say, I don't know why they think we spend less money, because we're saving so much money on transport that you then put towards things yeah. you couldn't ordinarily think about, like, we'd done the writing course. I'm thinking about doing a yeah. more formal writing course, because it's, like save so much money by not having to get on the bus that I can justify that movement towards something productive and I think because like that's the thing that's like I sort of always wanted to like do more crafts because I'm super into my crafts and things like pottery like the stuff I like to do my mum because my mum did a pottery O level when she was at art college and like she's so she puts it down pride of place on a CV when she was like getting work and it's just like it's really not relevant to what you do but she's like I've got to be in it though and I'm just like I know that's your highest like O level but like it was so sweet she's like so proud of it and it's just like so I'd like to like do things like that and there's like different crafts like I'm not really I bought like a tiny set of watercolours this year and it's kind of that was like a weird little like I don't know if you get these this is slightly off topic but on topic story <laughs> it's just us isn't they're it they're not like full special interests but they're like mini special interests yes. research and like they'll research at like specific time like Taylor Swift for me isn't an overarching like special interest. She's been a musician that's been around. So we're talking about this. I've been like listening to her for a very long time. I'm actually scared to say that's my special interest because you said to me, you were like, why have you not acknowledged this? Like, we've been here for two years. <laughs> How have you not seen that? And I think like, do you know the way that like, you mentioned it with dragons on one podcast, the way they just slip away sometimes and you're like trying yeah, to grasp. I think, yeah, and so Taylor when you Swift's name like it, it's like a fear that it's just going to dissipate Aww. i don't gonna be like no i can't i can't keep hold of that it's not mine anymore um and then this movie's like got you gifts that taylor swift being on like they're, they're not it's full interest i know it, it definitely kind of, like, is full you. interest it's just that fear of like then I it has think, its own life i think as well with music like so taylor swift like it kind of it'll like majorly reset like for me with music it's kind of it slips in and out anyway like i'll find a new artist a new album and i'll listen to it like on repeat mm-hmm. until i find the new one it's like repeat and so I think, like, she's dropped two. She's dropped two. And it's maybe going to be a third. Hopefully going to be a third. The conspiracy theory is, like... So we say... I mean, I don't think we should call them conspiracy theories when she plays with our minds with Easter eggs. True. Like, true. She does this. <laughs> sneaky, clever devil she is. <laughs> and we're like, there's three cardigans in their colours. I like the albums and I'm like <gasps> I mean at that point I was like is this a conspiracy but then when the Woodvale secret was unveiled it was like hmm 
this is not just an Oz thing. This is a thing thing. Like I'd like I'd like to point out. I always laugh because there's like always the idea of like hacking messages. I'd like to point out if anyone hacked like our messenger, it's pictures of your adorable but mischievous dog. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, like a Taylor Swift appreciation of memes. My just general mm-hmm. memes. And then, like, random disability pictures. And also us just messaging each other at the randomest times, like, oh my gosh, there's a new amount of information, or that, like, I woke up. I literally, I went to bed, I just ordered the signed folklore, so I was like, oh, that's peak folklore, and then when I woke up, I'm, like, half asleep trying to process, and I'm like, wait, there's a new album? And I just messaged you instantly, like, Sophie, there's a new album, and then I looked up, and you'd already, like, had that processing. (laughs) We have different sleep schedules because I'm kind of like, I'd definitely be more nocturnal, but I'm also slightly balanced about they've got parcels waiting to arrive at the moment and mother requires help. And we're both just like really struggling with insomnia. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's nothing that unusual for me. It's just kind of like when you leave me to my own devices, it slips. And it's like, so we'll kind of like, I'll wake up to like about four or five messages from you. Mm-hmm. For like from through the night and like a picture of biscuit dog <laughs> and i'll be like oh she's so cute and i'm like i was like i felt so bad because i think i bombarded you today with at least 12 oh no don't feel bad like even if like i don't so know how funny. to reply <laughs> i read them great. and laugh it's cool like don't worry yeah like the emoji reactions are great because most of it's just like grandma's doing christmas cards and oh my god you would have thought she'd run a marathon but she was huffing and puffing i'm just like why is it so difficult like Half the people you probably started writing cards to aren't here anymore. And then it's just like... <laughs> but now it's just so funny. And she, she writes a couple of letters to people, but my grandma has really bad handwriting. And it's like... And then I was trying to read it, and then she was like sort of telling me to go away. It just made me laugh when you were like, I wanted your second opinion, and she said no. <laughs> yeah. And my grandma's like, it's not that bad. I'm like, I'll get a second efficient opinion. I'll send it to Melissa. And she's like, don't be dead. And she snatched it back up and glared at me. Like, Tell you what else she did. So, like, I'm sure, like, you know, some people have sweet, lovely grandmas that say, oh, come here, love, do me a favour. I've got one that's like, oi, crooks a finger, gives me, like, an evil machine. Come here, do me a favour. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, you can ask me for a blood sacrifice or something. <laughs> Like, that's what it felt like. She's there crooking her finger at me, like, come here. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> and then I've got my mum and like, oh, there's a new card. It's glittery, isn't that lovely? And I'm like, why is my house just contrasting <laughs> personalities? <laughs> yeah, it's... I think as well being comfortable at home has made it easier. Like, obviously not everyone's got a place that's safe and that they feel happy. Mine, mine is a strange I don't think I felt happy just because like I most of my life was external and that's been yeah, really difficult you. even just simple things I didn't realize like getting headspace by jumping on a bus into Liverpool I can't yeah. do that I haven't this is the longest I've not been to Liverpool in my life because I grew up in Liverpool and then yeah. when we moved it's, I was there more weird. often <laughs> yeah. so it's just it's quite horrible to think like that part isn't there and it eats away more than you think it eats away i think it's really little things like i used to go to tk maxx and pick up a lot of presents that has been a nightmare because you have to pay for delivery now yeah um 
And it's like I've been sort of trying to not use like Amazon for everything, like especially because like sort of support small businesses. But like I've ordered something from this place I've ordered craft stuff from before, and it's like there's some really lovely things. And it's got my wrapping paper in it, and it's got two things for you. And I'm sat there like otherwise you're getting like your presence in like two parts and i need to i don't mind like safety time. comes first if it has to wait then i'm not like oh yeah gonna like, be like why is it at that like i'll do what we did we bought my grandma um my grandma's hard to buy for because she's not someone who likes clutter she doesn't drink anymore so we can just buy you brandy no <laughs> drink now um but mysteriously want a bottle of prosecco for christmas that neither of us are going to drink because mum doesn't like it on its own um so yeah, it may end up being palmed off on you. Eventually. <laughs> it's still okay. Be like, yeah, come round, pick it up. We'll leave it on the doorstep, fully social distance. It'll be like prosecco with like half a glass. <laughs> and it's just like, I'll um, I'll just we uh we bought this orchid and it was really expensive. And we all chipped in, but it didn't arrive at time for our birthday. So what we did is we printed a picture out of it. So I'll just be like sending you a picture on Christmas Day. Like this is what you should also. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It was so funny. We we like rolled it up and put a bit of ribbon around it like a scroll and we we're like, it's on its way. <laughs> I used to give it like IOUs be, uh... if something didn't arrive on time. <laughs> yeah. Grandma's just looking at it like really confused, like <laughs> But like I think it's also like if anyone was gonna be like difficult because something was late like this year, like no, you don't deserve gifts. You're going to be difficult. Um but yeah, like tomorrow's gonna be like crafty day. Um, I have just sorted my brother out because I was going to make him with iceberg and it's like I'll just be rushing at this point because we need to get the sewing machine out so like otherwise I'll be spending like an hour hand sewing it and I was like well I'd rather take time so I've like found him some things so like you know he decided to grow a beard this year. <laughs> I love how Sam's so, beard just became a topic oh my God. because like oh like just no I just can't He's got this bold chin, and like I managed to get a picture of it because he was like, "Now nah, you see it on Christmas Day, because we're doing a virtual Christmas." And it was just like, oh, "Mum and Grandma, like, why's well, he got a bold chin?" So for my funny gift for him, he's got some sheep. <laughs> and a nice gift a message, gift message attached, like, "Please gift this to humanity and get rid of it." <laughs> it's patchy. It was really hard because, like, I think, I don't know if this has happened for the people you know, but certainly, like, in my circle, everyone's like, oh, I don't really want anything. It's just one of them years where we're not really thinking about what we want. We just want the pandemic to end. So it's really difficult, but then, like, I also get it at the same time. But I'm in that space where I want to give things to other people because, like, you're not seeing people as much and you just want to, like, give something. But then when everyone's like, oh, I don't know what I want, it's a bloody nightmare. See, even though grandma's difficult, grandma has never ever said to me, I don't want anything. My mother will never say she doesn't want anything. My mum buys herself a Christmas present. <laughs> and I always want presents. Like, who are these people that you know? Like, everyone around me. It's just like, I don't, oh I don't know where I want. Like, I don't then, want to. Then my family's, like, if I said, I'll, I'll like, go down. Um, and I'll be like, oh, mum, did you ever care to you, like, you didn't want something? She'll just be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, me and my brother, like, I, like, I like buying for him because he's easy to buy for. Um, he, to be honest, he actually told me what he wanted this year, and I was like, okay, and I'll get you like another thing. Um, which actually arrived, and he said it wasn't going to arrive till like the end of December, and he was like, that's fine, and he's like, a box has arrived today, and I'm like, well, it's not the shape of what I got you for grandma. 
and he's like, it is a mug-shaped box. And I'm like, there you go, then. It's the mug. You can open it. Love and date. <laughs> date the podcast. <laughs> um, one of the things we definitely have done, I think it was like September, we just have both had like a complete crisis of like, I miss this place, and I miss this yep. place. And you were like, I miss coffee and cake with soap. And it's just like... It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. It was really like, difficult. I tended to go out with my mum around Christmas. So it's kind of been like, yeah, do you want to take away? Celebrate. I think someone mentioned pumpkin soup and it just dawned on me that day when we went to Cuthbert's and they forgot to give and us the pumpkin soup. It. We were so full no. that we were like, it's fine, we're not going to yeah. take it. And I'm now like, we never got to try it. We might never get to try yeah. it again. We might never. <laughs> well, like, she liked trains. And it was like, and I was telling my grandma, because my brother likes trains too. And it was like, um, and like, I've been to the train museum in York several times. Sam has been more. Because um, he was taken. Um, and it's like, and grandma was like, has Melissa been to the train museum? I'm like, no, that's what COVID stole from us. I was going to take her <laughs> to the train museum and see a happy little face. But no, it's been delayed. So yeah, it's just... It's, it's the evermore feeling, isn't it? It's like, yeah. is this forever? We know it's not forever, but it feels it. I think we know it's not. And then it's like, you start kind of like, there's certain places I miss in Liverpool. I miss Cozy Club. I miss the Irish pub, which doesn't narrow it down. If anyone knows Liverpool, there's about seven of them but like i missed the specific one that my mum used to drink at when she was my age and it's like i did like i assume that it's okay because we spoke about it already so we can just like shove a warning on the podcast um but i went through the cocktail phase of the pandemic where i was like i miss these cocktails so i'm just gonna make my own and i followed the recipe to a t and it still didn't work like it (laughs) It was like a million times stronger, and I don't know what it went worked, wrong. But it was strong, and like you have very little tolerance, which makes me laugh. Well, it's the fact that like these were things I'd had, and like had not rocked yeah. me like this. I found this hilarious. It was just like, what? Like, how is the recipe not keeping it the way it was? Where like they clearly like don't put as much as they say they put in. Otherwise, it would have I'm the like, same effect. And I'm like, did you measure it? And you're like, yeah, I've got this measure because like we have a measure because whatever reason my granddad when he was alive collected like kitchen stuff. The man didn't cook. The man could do a fry up and like that was like <laughs> probably like the extent he could do basics. And it's like, but we have like cocktail shakers and stuff. Like I don't really have cocktails. And then there's me that like stopped pouring whiskey like about four years ago. Stopped measuring. I used to measure all my alcohol. I was so good. And I was just like, yep, yeah, pour a triple. It's fine. Last me a few hours. It like I've gotten to the point where the, like I've figured out how to adjust the measurements from the recipe yeah. so it's actually working quite well <laughs> so far yeah. and it's just like that thing of trying to bring in the little things from life to the home setting so that not everything feels yeah. like work because as I said it's that feeling of even though it's nice yeah. to work from home work it's like living at work and so it's about trying to find like headspace things and just stuff to do for the sake of doing it and I think like one thing that I haven't had time for in about seven years that I'm now making time for is just like art um so I've been doing like digital painting which I've never done before because like normal painting times potential dyspraxia does not work so I mean I did try that in the pandemic and that did not go well so I was like right digital painting is neat and it's like drawing so it's cool I'll do that and it's just like that's stuff I never would have allowed myself time for last year. I would have been like, no, that's not work. That doesn't get a place. But 
it's just nice to be exploring things that make us happy and give life a bit more meaning <laughs> around work. We definitely had more takeaways this year and we discovered a new place to order from and it's very dangerous and it's like adding, I'll talk about more on this to pandemic and it's like added some agoraphobia but it's like there's been a consequence of like you know weight gain but it's fine. It is odd because I think I mean like for us like we get a takeaway more for like when my like my grandma likes proper home cooked food which is fine but like my poor mother needs a break because what my grandma classes is an easy meal is like no what she does not have easy meals food. from what you said no like she really <laughs> like gourmet meals oh my gosh and it's just like and then sometimes my mother's like right I cannot cook and it's like mum's got her own like disabilities and then like. I can cook certain things, but like not complicated. Like, right, we're getting a takeaway. So for us, it's like it's it's sometimes like we need a break, mm-hmm. and it's fine. So one thing that I was planning to talk about in this episode, just to like tie it back to <laughs> autism, and I can edit this, so it's fine. Like we can keep it short and sweet. Um, but I've just listened. So I think firstly the thing because I wanted like your opinion on this as well is that. Obviously, when you're an autistic academic studying autism, you get dragged into av- advocacy. Um, yeah. And we've spoke about that. Happens. But I think, for me, it's the difference of an advocate can afford, if that's all you're doing, and in a different career entirely, you can say, right, I've had a dialogue with that person. That person's been consistently problematic, so I, I'm just not engaging anymore. They might change, and good for them if they do, but I just can't keep following that narrative. Whereas as an academic, we think of people in terms of their work and what they put out instead of as just a person. And so yeah. we do engage with new narratives because that gets treated as like an independent piece of work. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about the fact that Simon Baron-Cohen, who's really prolific in the field, has put out more work. Um, so in advocacy circles, it can get quite tense when he puts out new work just because... I'm not going to hide the fact that some of his stuff has been heavily debated as to whether it's caused stereotypes, as to whether it's moving in the right direction. I think he's probably really familiar with those narratives. Um, and if he isn't, I think I'd be more worried about like that he's not familiar with the content he puts out. Yeah. More alarming. For, I, I like to think he is just a For people who um, don't know, I wanted to add, um, like he's not the only problem. It's just the fact of in autism research this is a a, feel, a part of psychology um, that has moved much slower than other areas. Um, autism is a really fresh concept compared to other concepts. And in the earlier days, which were that long ago, um, research just wasn't as well informed. Autistic voices weren't there. Um, the ideas coming through just weren't as helpful as they are now. And so people who put out work back then, it wasn't set up for them to explore ideas that would have been considered controversial and so you have to consider things with that scope of if something seemed to be particularly problematic it wasn't necessarily with harmful intentions um the issue is more that those other researchers putting out work have now either retired moved on to other things or they've completely changed tact and they've said well i'm going to move with the times that research I'd done was a sign of those times and now I'm gonna move forward. And he might have he might have put that in a network I've not heard of and I don't wanna shut that dialogue down and say, well that didn't happen. Um 
it's more that some of his theories that the community were a little bit concerned about are still active, like the empathising, systemising theory argues that you've got to be empathetic or systematic and we've all been saying for years that that's not the case you know you can be both and he does acknowledge that but he also treats them as opposites so if you're extreme in one you're probably not extreme in the other which i think is possible um and there's also a lot of like smaller things the theory misses out but he released a new book and it's something that as an autistic person i was thinking do i want to read more of the same if it is the same but also as an academic interested in the new dialogue coming forward. So I decided to listen to the podcast that's just been put up. Um, I'll find out actually who he spoke to just for people who are interested because I've just put it onto I mean, Twitter. We, we can link it, but I say that. So he spoke to... So it was in the non-compliant podcast, it's called. Um, they spoke to Simon Baron Cohen. And so I gave that a listen just because I think... Um, everybody does deserve to have those ideas heard if they're new um, but I think so like I said to you because I was talking to you actively as the podcast was going on I feel like there's there's a bit of a move a little bit of a move to say not all autistic people are systemizing autistic people are very creative they are empathetic these arguments that we have in psychiatry are problematic Um the issue for me is that it's not getting there fast enough compared to other academics. So, like yeah. Damien Milton's work, the double empathy theory, has took us on leaps and bounds. As I say, I zoned out completely during that podcast, so we may have mentioned that work and I just didn't pick up on it, but I don't think it was mentioned. Um, there was still a lot of ideas around autistic people repeat things and like patterns because they're safe and familiar. And I think we know that that's some part of it, but I don't think that's the core of why we repeat stuff. I think we repeat stuff for emotion and for the specific nuance. Like, every time we repeat something, we get a new experience from it. And also things just like perspective taken, deficit, really makes me uncomfortable as a term because perspective taken is a problematic human function that adults rely on because communication's fast, society's fast, we don't have time to just stop and really consider the complexities of what person might have gone through, what they might be thinking. And those sorts of conversations are always better. I love talking to people who, who think about those things slowly and really try and get an understanding of where your position is instead of drawing out a really quick stereotype or personal experience example to say, well, this is what I think you're feeling and thinking or what you're going to think and feel because I think that's where we start to make communicative mistakes and I don't think autistic people are wrong for not relying on those heuristics I think society would really benefit from not doing those things and that's part of what Baron Cohen is saying is you know autistic people are actually a good guide for how humanity can get better but he's not looking at those emotive facets that I think we need to look at he's looking at things like systematic creativity in terms of producing the sound over and over again until it becomes a track and that's interesting but I think it's quite a short-sighted view of the actual problem Um, it does miss out a lot of nuanced understanding around what it means to be an autistic human <laughs> um, and I think 
it's probably not his intention, it's more just that this is a fine example of where we need to include autistic narratives always. But I do think, especially someone who's really an emotional person, I don't see that in a negative way, I do sometimes see issues negatively, but I'm like proud that I've got a lot of emotions and a lot of empathy. Like I was very much brought up to like you don't know what people go through and then I think after like mental health and being autistic, it's like I am one of the first people to say like you don't know what someone's going through you don't know what someone's been through in a day 